Welcome to Divine Messy Human. I am your host, Amanda Kate, a self-mastery facilitator who flips the paradigms of what it truly means to be a master of self. This podcast is for those wanting to move to center stage in their lives, find their divinely sovereign self, and break free from societal conditioning and programming that enslaves us. To truly embrace self-mastery, we need to have compassion for all that we are, connected to the divine, messy as F, and uniquely human. This is a space where we learn radical self-love and acceptance, remembering who we are as true beings of light. I am here to lead you as you explore the freedom and abundance that self-mastery leads to when we choose consciously and deliberately in our daily life. Each week we will cover topics from the following areas, our body and physiology, energy systems, subconscious programming, parts and inner child work, our intuition, divine connection and quantum ascension. I am so excited to have you on this journey with me. Listen in, get a cuppa, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Divine Messy Human. Today, I have with you a conversation that blew me away. I literally just sat back and let her speak. I have the incredible Jody Atkinson with me. She is an accomplished individual with a range of expertise. She is a certified advanced grief recovery specialist, speaker, author, and entertainer. Her debut book, Have You Met My Grief, not only serves as a written work, but has also been transformed into an award-winning cabaret show that premiered at the 2023 Adelaide Cabaret Fringe Festival. Since 1991, Jodie has found her home in Adelaide, where she has nurtured and raised her family. Following a profound personal loss, she became acutely aware of her own lack of preparedness to handle grief. She felt this was largely due to society's reluctance to openly discuss the topic of grief. Driven by a deep passion to help others dealing with grief, Jodie wrote a book on the subject. She also pursued certification in the very program that had aided her in navigating her own loss, all with the intention of extending that assistance to others. Jody actively engages in writing and presenting to offer support to those struggling with grief, as well as their families, friends and colleagues. She takes part in speaking engagements for various community groups and takes the lead in orchestrating programs and workshops tailored for both individuals and groups, addressing a wide spectrum of losses. With her wealth of knowledge and personal experience, Jodi uses a wide range of platforms to establish a safe space where the emotions, thoughts and behaviours accompanying loss are destigmatized. Her primary goal is to promote awareness that healing and recovery from significant loss are not only attainable, but also facilitated by proactive steps taken together with time in conjunction with a supportive community. I hope you absolutely love today as much as I did. So hello and welcome back to Divine Messy Human. I am so chuffed today to have Jody Atkinson with me. She is just the most incredible soul. And as soon as I met her, I realized I had to have her on the podcast because I think you guys will absolutely 
just get so much wisdom, understanding and knowledge from what she has to share. So welcome, Jodie. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. As, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know, from the second you introduced, we met through a um, group in Australia called She's the Boss, which is um, full of incredible women. And as soon as I heard Jodie speak, I was like, oh, there's a soul sister. I really, <laughs> really get what you're talking about. And the reason is Jodie works with grief and not just <laughs> grief with passing. It is all griefs of life. And I talk about a lot of this in my work because I think it's a really under acknowledged part of society and one that we need so much more education around. So just um, for our audience to understand, I'm guessing this isn't something you've done your whole life. So what led you into working with people to understand grief? Yeah, you're right. I didn't wake up one day and go, I really want to do that. It's, um, I was quite happy in my health and fitness business, you know, and, um, and then yes, life took a turn and put me on this path. Basically it's through lived experience. It's through, um, finding out what you didn't know, you know, you, you find out the hard way and, um, I, uh, do you want me to go into the story about that? If yeah. you're comfortable to, you share yeah. whatever you fancy. Oh, we're not going to push you. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. So, um, I was, uh, with, I was in a relationship with my, my partner. Um, we did, we did end up getting married, but that came a little later on. Um, and life was pretty good. You know, we were, we were pretty happy and I felt like I really knew my place in the world and you know, things were good. And then um, suddenly my very fit, healthy, active man started experiencing some back pain, which was a bit general, like a generalized pain and nothing unusual because, you know, as you get older, you do tend to notice these things, but the usual treatments didn't sort of stop it or settle it down or give any relief. Um, and then this strange indigestion kind of crept in and it was just like very, very weird. So he went off to the doctor and he came home with an antacid because he'd taken an anti-inflammatory for his back and the doctor assumed that that had flared up his stomach. And we knew that wasn't right because this had never happened before. And we thought, you know, we need a second opinion. So we go off and do that. And um, that doctor listened and gave him um, a, 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 a lot more attention, I think, and sent him off for a scan. And uh, she called him back in that day to say, you know, come in, I, I need to see you. And that's when we found out that um, she suspected that he had um, pancreatic cancer and she'd set up an appointment with an oncologist for the for two days later where it was confirmed he was stage four metastatic pancreatic cancer. Yeah. So we were told with treatment, we had six to eight months. So he decided that's what he wanted to do. And I a hundred percent supported any decision he wanted to make. Um, but it was aggressive. It was brutal. It was um, a really rapid rate of deterioration. And he passed away 37 days later. Oof goodness so it was 
um, you know, barely used to him being sick before um, dealing with the fact that he was actually dying. And, and then, you know, as I said, 37 days later, passed away. And yeah, never, never something I would have imagined happening um, to a 52 year old man and me being a widow at 46. Yeah. So how did obviously this personal journey in grief become your life's work? Oh, well, I just, after, after Craig died, I, I was hit with panic attacks, um, fear, anxiety. Um, I was foggy and numb one minute and having a violent panic attack the next. I was exhausted. I thought, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Who, go, who does this? You know, I'm bouncing from one thing to another. I can't concentrate. Um, people talk to me and I, I can't hear them. I see their mouth moving, but I'm not registering. They're speaking. And, you know, I could just disappear into a coffee cup for, you know, a really long time. And then suddenly, oh, it's the middle of the day. It's like, what have I, what have I, where have I been? I've been doing absolutely nothing. Um, and I was too scared to go back to work. I was too scared to go to the shops. I'd get there and I'd freak out and I'd have to come home. Um, and, and that's not the type of person I am. I was very aware of my behavior, my thoughts, my feelings being completely out of whack. And it was almost like I was externally observing myself while going through it at the same time. And I think, Amanda, I just discovered this chasm that I was blissfully unaware of mm. prior to this experience. And once you know it exists, I, I think it's very hard to walk away from and not acknowledge that there are people that are going to need your help because they're going to go through their own version of this. And you have to, I don't know, you can't take it off them. You can't outsource this stuff, but you can hold someone's hand while they're going through it. And that that just became, you know, I need to help other people. I can't have other people do this on their own. It's it's horrible. Yeah. And I love that you don't just, and I hate using that word, but you don't just talk about grief in terms of death. What other types of grief do you bring into your work? So obviously end of relationships, you know, there's a grieving process there. And most people would associate that with grief, with death and divorce or separation. So, um, you know, usually when we're experiencing feelings of of loss, we don't automatically go with, oh, I'm grieving. It's just, I'm going through a really hard time. Um, so pet loss is obviously something a lot of people experience when, you know, we have to, um, you know, deal with a sick pet or if they, if they run away and they mm. go missing, you know, it, that, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, but we also talk about, you know, children grieving and what that might look like because they may not grieve the way adults grieve. Their grief might come out in the form of temper tantrums and anger and, and you know, losing their, 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 um, their little bundles over a broken pencil or a, um, a toy breaking or, you know, something not they can't find. Um, but we know that it's probably not that. That's just how it's playing out. There's, there's also um, a global pandemic 
I think the world grieved when that happened because it stopped our ability to go about our business, go to work, um, socialize, interact with others, exercise. It impacted every aspect of our, our life. And grief is a normal, natural reaction to loss of any kind, but it's also the change in or the end of a familiar pattern of behavior. And I think people were really thrown when when we were all in a lockdown situation with what is what's going on here? You know, yeah. why am I feeling like this? This is weird. And it's like, you're actually grieving. Mm. Yeah. And I was mentioning that to a lot of people through lockdown is we're grieving the life that we had. We, we're grieving the fact that we know it'll probably never be the same again. We're grieving so many different aspects and people were grieving holidays they didn't get to take and families they didn't get to visit. And all of these different aspects, you know, I often talk about the grief I went through when my marriage ended and I had to grieve the wife I could have been, the husband he could have been, the father he could have been, the mother I could have been, you know, the family we could have been. I had to grieve all these different little aspects to be able to fully heal from that. And I think sometimes we don't get into the nuance of those aspects of ourself. Even when I became a mother, I actually had to grieve the part of myself that was never not going to be a mother again, as much as I was excited about having my kids, that single young free self never exists again and will never exist again because just won't. I love that you bring that up because it is such a valid point with grief because it's not just about the event that's happened, you know, whether it is a death or a job loss or, you know, a, a relationship breakdown it's also those things with it and you know the daily routines that you have when your relationship breaks down or you know your your spouse dies you know it's the morning cup of coffee that you know you either get it for them or they bring it to you that stops it's the it's the cuddling up on the couch on a saturday night that's no longer there it's the the can't wait to rush home and share this news with you or the i had a really bad day i just need a hug you know, it's it's the layers and layers and layers of, of that that people in around us don't see. They just know that we're grieving because something's happened, but they don't see the loss from the perspective of of every little thread of your being in terms of, you know, who's going to fix the gate when the bolt breaks now? And, you know, some women get angry when their husband dies because it's like he's supposed to be here to fix this and he's supposed mm. to be here to do these things. And it's not, you know, it's 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 a valid feeling. It's not, you know, that it's not that they're they need to be judged for having it. It's it's an emotion that comes up along with all the other emotions. Like they're all they're all very present and very real and very almost simultaneously being felt. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned that so much because I think a great deal of it is people having permission to feel what they're feeling about it. I know a couple of my clients um, have lost parents and some have lost children and there is that anger and they're like, but I, I can't be angry with someone who's dead. It's like, well, yeah, actually you can. You can feel whatever you want to feel. It's not yeah. like you're blaming them necessarily for dying, but even if you are you know what, if you're feeling it, go through the feeling, allow yourself to feel the feeling because 
it's really interesting. One of my mentors says no one has ever died from feeling a feeling, but a lot of people die avoiding feelings. I'm glad you mentioned that because unresolved grief, prolonged unresolved grief can lead to chronic illness. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it, it, it does affect our, um, our, like stress hormones are flooding our system. Mm. Um, is it any wonder we're exhausted? Processing grief is exhausting and mm. feeling the feelings, but it's also, you know, we are susceptible to maybe picking up little infections and colds and things because our immune system's under fire. And, you know, there is a, a thing called broken heart syndrome, which, you know, it is a very real thing. And the heart muscle actually does yeah. alter its shape. But um, panic attacks can look like heart attacks when they're that extreme. And I know of people that have gone to the hospital presenting with, you know, heart chest pain, being hooked up to a machine and there's nothing wrong with them, thankfully, but a panic attack, yeah. And so... There. It's horrendous. And I didn't quite go to that extreme, but I, you know, the, just the feeling like they've had the wind knocked out of you and your heart racing, like it just, it's, it's out of nowhere. And it's like, what, what, what's happening to me? And it's exhausting at the other end of it. When you've been through that, you come out of it and you just feel like you've been hit by a truck and, and you just, like I said, I thought I was losing my mind. I thought, how can this be happening? So yeah, it, that sort of stuff can over time is going to create a lot of problems in our bodies if we don't learn to process and give it some form of um, release. Mm. So you mentioned that you, you know, you didn't feel like yourself and you were experiencing all these emotional states that weren't you. Mm. And, and I use that term because obviously they were you. It was, yeah. it was you processing. How did you, I guess, get to naming it as grief and understanding that all of those symptoms were tied to the grief because i think sometimes we just go oh my god what's happening to me we don't really look for i guess the linchpin so how did you work out that that was it i was searching through anything i was on social media in in grief groups i was on the internet i was looking up TED Talks, magazines, articles, books, you name it, trying to find people who were saying the same stuff that I was. I'm having this, I'm having this, I'm having this. And I did find it. I got that validation that I wasn't losing my mind and that other people actually go through it. But my biggest thing was how come I didn't know this? How come I didn't know that when I had this event happen to me, this is what it could look like? And it's we don't talk about it. So it's pretty horrible to find out like that, you know, to, it would have been nice to, you know, have an idea of what it might look like. You know, we've got books out there. Maybe they are at the time. I didn't know. Why would I? But we don't talk about this stuff. So it would have been nice to know that, you know, yes, grief doesn't just look like tears and sadness. It's actually a whole raft of a spectrum of emotions for one, you know, if you like. Um, so then it was, you know, I, I got to a point where when I went out anywhere, if I saw people I knew, I'd just run the other way. Cause I thought, I don't want to, I don't trust myself not to fall apart. And it would create a, an anxiety response. And a friend of mine told me that when she was going through, um, her own health 
um, journey, for want of a better word. She said that, you know, there were times when she would cry and she just accepted that if when this happened and when she went to this particular place, if she would cry and if she didn't, it was a bonus. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to just accept that potentially I'm going to come unstuck and I just have to be okay with it. I have to stop fighting it. I have to stop wrestling because I'm coming off second best. <laughs> and so, that's the thing when we fight our emotions is we do tend to come off second best. You're right. Absolutely. And it's just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm falling. I'm not, I'm not getting further ahead in this game. I'm, I'm stuck here. I can't seem to shift. So I just started to accept it. And then, um, you know, because I, I was sharing a lot of my stuff on social media, I think that was another way of me allowing myself to process, but sort of had always been one of those people in my health and fitness business, sharing things about, you know, new questions that people would ask about lifestyle and nutrition or whatever that, you know, I could answer. So I did this as well. I just thought, you know what, I'm really not me. If you see me, I'm, you know, this is happening. If I avoid you, please don't take it personally. I'm, I'm struggling. Um, and then people said, write a book about it. You know, you you bring there's so much that we're learning through you, and and so when I was coming up with the name for my book, it was like, well, this is my grief, you know, that's creating this. I feel like I'm the puppet, and it's pulling the strings. And so I externalized it. I kind of gave grief an identity as this thing that came into my life and just completely took over every aspect of it, and just said, I'm, you know, it's the unwelcome house guest that just treats your place with disrespect and takes up all the space and comes like a screaming toddler out to the shops with you. And, you know, it was like this, this thing that, and it's like, it's not me, it's my grief. So I called my book, have you met my grief? Because it's like, mm -hmm. this is how it's presenting in my life. Mm -hmm. And what else have you done with your grief? Cause I love that you've actually channeled it into different creative ways as you've been processing it yourself. Yeah. I, well, I, I, do a, a bit of writing I'm sort of got the ideas for my second book but I adapted my um first book have you met my grief into a cabaret show and um, I love it and I debuted that at the um, Adelaide Cabaret Fringe Festival in June this year um and it was so look I you know it's always one of those things how's it going to be received because it's a it's a topic that people don't necessarily find a comfortable one to to engage in, but you know I had two sold out shows. I got a four star review and I won an award for this show, so I'm pretty happy with that. That's um, amazing, and that it has been received with the way in the way that it has, and that there are people out there they do want to know and they do want to connect to their own stuff, and they do want to know that their feelings are valid and that it's okay to feel this way and it's okay to talk about. So that in itself is the massive win, really. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And I just love the creative way that you've been able to take it in such a different platform. And by the way, if it ever comes to Melbourne, sign me up for a ticket. <laughs> uh, I would love to. It, look, I um, I have always loved performing, but it's been one of those things that sat in the back on the back burner because there's always been more important grown-up adult things to do in life than indulge your childhood dream of becoming an actress and a singer. Hell and, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, no, and that's that's that that's me. I'm not saying that you know, but that was in you know, it's like oh, I've got a family to raise and a business to run, and you know, 
So finally, it was like, it's just sat there like this frustrated little thing in the background. And it's been coming out in the most, um, you know, I bring it out in my, in my, in my classes, you know, I'd always be quite theatrical and animated. And, you know, it, I, I felt like I need to find a more appropriate channel for this. <laughs> but um, yeah, finally, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a go. And um, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. And um being able to put words, I I think the biggest thing, like for me, what I learned was when people told me their stories and gave me words that helped me understand my own situation was such a gift. And and I feel like in some way I'm I'm providing that opportunity for others as well. And it's such a gift when you can kind of go, oh my God, I didn't know that that's how I felt until you told me. And now I know. And now it's like a breath of air, like and a and a release of weight off the shoulders because it's suddenly resonating, and that makes so much sense that that's what I've been hanging on to or going through, and I didn't have the words to describe it, and suddenly I do. So, I think it's an, a, the arts is a really powerful platform to reach people, to touch, to connect, to to share, and um, cabaret can be a vulnerable platform. It doesn't have to be all it glitz and glitter. I mean, sure, I wear some glitter and some sequins because, you know, I do love that. But um, but you can have that vulnerability and and um, take it into a space where people can really connect to that. Oh, there were so many powerful points in there. So everyone just go back and rewind and listen to that again because <laughs> um, that was just super powerful. I often say to clients who are going through grief because they're like, often impatient to get to the next stage or move through it or whatever. And I often say it's kind of just got to become this comfortable bedfellow. I don't think we ever necessarily get rid of grief. I think we learn to deal with it because it comes knocking at some bizarre moments, regardless of what that grief is or how we've dealt with it or how we've processed it. Speak to that a little bit. How do you find um, you've made friends with your grief? for want of a better term. Yeah, I I uh I say in the cabaret show like grief and I are never going to be friends, but you know, we broke up and I told him to pack his shit and get out, you know. But it is sort of like um I hope I can say that on your show. Yeah. But um I I did um I do acknowledge that there are anniversary days, there are memories, there are birthdays, there is, you know, Christmas, things like that that roll around every year and they do bring up emotions and you do know there's someone missing from the table. But I think I've got to the point where I can sit with it. And, you know, I say it's like having a cup of coffee. You catch up with an old friend, sit down, have a cup of coffee, acknowledge that they're here. And there's a message in just saying, you know, just stop, sit, feel into it. It's okay. And then, okay, politely ask, off you go now you've we've done that and being able to move through that a lot differently you know um I'm not going to say better because what is that but move through it differently and and quicker than what I would have back when it was raw and real and fresh and you know yeah um so I I think a big part of the work that I've 
I've been doing is about just acknowledging our feelings. And if I'm telling my clients to acknowledge their feelings, I got to do that too. You know, I walk the walk in that regard. Um, and I think also, um, you know, being able to express it. I'm not having a great day today. It's a bit rough or I'm having a really good day, but you know, thank you for asking and just being really honest about how we feel rather than just saying I'm fine or I'm, you know, I got this when, when you don't, it's okay to be honest about how you're feeling. Yeah. Oh, be honest about how you're feeling. Gosh, wouldn't the world be a different place if, if we were allowed to, and if we gave ourselves permission and, I think that's one of the strengths and powers in the work that you do is giving them that permission to feel what they need to feel, to feel what they're feeling, even if they don't really like what they're feeling and then to be able to process it in whatever way that comes. I like the use of the word different as well, because you're right. It's not about better, worse. That's the judgment we want to put on it. It just, it, as much as we hate this saying when we're in the messy middle and we often want to punch people who say it, it is yeah. as it is. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I'm guilty of saying I will I will throat punch the next person that gives me that sad pity face and looks at me and goes, Are you okay? Oh, you know, and you just think, Well, I was up until you did that. <laughs> and you know, and, and sometimes, yeah, you're going along having a great day and somebody will come along and project their stuff onto you about how they feel you are traveling or what you might be experiencing. And then all of a sudden you're just like, that's actually not, not accurate, not true. And um, if I may, like the, mm. one of the things that I did find really, really annoying for me was was having those interactions where you would be asked how you felt and then people would try and say, but aren't you feeling this or aren't you feeling, but you're going to feel like this, aren't you? And and in five years from now, you're going to feel different. And I'm like, well, who knows how I'm going to feel? How, how about I tell you when I get there? But mm -hmm. it gets to the point where I just like, I'm sick and tired of having these interactions where I feel like I'm taking on all of their stuff. But if I tell them I don't like what they're saying, or if I get upset, I now feel responsible for them having a negative emotional reaction to something that I've done. And I, it really, I had to sit with it and go, how do I do this? How do I put a boundary around this? And saying three, there were three or four, four sentences I came up with. If someone said to me, you know, it might've been something that didn't align with my belief, my spiritual or religious beliefs or um, how I was feeling, what I was thinking, I'd say, that's not how I feel. That's not what I think, that's not what I believe, or that's not my experience. And it was just, yeah, I'm like, but there's the boundary. And that is something I really wanted to empower people grieving with something to come back with that allowed them to protect themselves, but not get into that awkward interaction where you walk away from it going, I feel bad for yelling at Mary down the road because she was just trying to be nice but you know what she said didn't feel nice and now it's awkward and uncomfortable so trying to say something that's just very firm but clear and gives you the ability to express your emotional truth without you know having to sit there and just continually take on other people's stuff yeah you got nothing that right. is super oh those four questions, honestly, those four statements, I think everybody should 
write down and have in their, you know, handbook as a go-to, regardless of whether it's grief or whether it's life in general, because so often we do have that projection and we are taking on other people's stuff. And I hate to say it, but especially as, you know, people who identify as as women, Mm. that tends to be our role. And so we often just take it, take it, take it. And then we get, you know, told off for having the explosion. Yeah, exactly. Hang on a minute. You mentioned your sort of spiritual beliefs, and I know we had a beautiful couple of examples. And if you are open, I would love you to share a little bit, because my audience are all into this, about how how does he show himself to you? Mm. How does he turn up in your life? Because obviously we know that although they leave the physical world energetically, their imprint is still there for us to tap into if we so choose to and if if that falls within our belief systems. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because um, he's very pragmatic, very um, like he didn't believe in life after death. He didn't believe, you know, he was, he was, uh, what's the word? Um, Well, atheist, I guess. And yep, once you die, you die, that's it. And not long after his funeral, I had this dream and I woke up feeling like I had had a conversation with him and we had been talking about something and I felt it in my body. I felt this this interaction had occurred and I was like, ah, oh, I want to go back to sleep. I want to finish this. And I have no memory of what we talked about, but I had, it was so, so real. And I'm sort of like, oh, I've never had an experience quite like that. And I used to wake up sometimes, um, Craig was a shift worker, so he would sometimes get home at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I would wake up around 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and I could smell Vegemite on toast because that's something he might have, he would make when he got home if he was hungry. And of course, there's no one else in the house. There's no one cooking Vegemite on toast, but there was just this this smell that I I, I would, you know, I would uh, experience. And, uh, and it's really interesting because I've had a series of dreams on and off ever since he passed away. And these dreams have as I've I guess as my healing journey has gone the way it has the dreams have become more vivid and I do recall sections of conversation and his personality in those is so evident and the things that the words that I remember are like it's just it's him the way he would talk and um I remember driving one day, it was after I came back from Perth, after I'd done my grief recovery work and I'd done the certification and there was a person in the road in front of me and they've cut me off. And I I just said, oh, one of his favorite words was, (laughs) can I say it? Yeah. He used to say, oh, what a knob jockey. (laughs) And and I, I just remember saying, oh, you would have said knob jockey if you were here. And I literally felt like in my ear, I heard, oh, thank God you're back. It was like he was saying, you you, you know, you're not this sad, crying, freaked, panicked person anymore. You've kind of, yeah, it was just, thank God you're back was what I heard. Mm. 
beautiful. And how does how did that feel for you? Did that fall in line with with your beliefs, with your openness, or was this something new for you to experience that was a bit, I don't know if I like this, or how did it how did you process it? Well, I my first question was, is this your way of telling me that this that you were wrong and I was right? <laughs> so um, you know, and uh that you know there there is there is something. Um but it feels really calming, Amanda. It feels really peaceful. It feels really, you know, it doesn't feel horrible. Like it's not a negative experience. It's actually a really comforting, sort of nurturing, loving feeling that I, I experience. Um, and sure, there is a sense of I wish it was more physical, obviously, but but it's nice to know that that you can have these feelings and have these experiences. And you know, I've spoken to many people who've who've experienced their own versions of these, and you know, people will often go, "Oh, well, it's not that; it's you know, put some scientific slant on it." But I don't know. You just have these feelings where you just know. I mean, I can't explain a coffee table with sitting in the middle of my room that wasn't there when I walked out of the room, and I walked back in, and there it is, sitting in the middle of the room. I don't know how to explain that. Um, and I don't know how to explain the fact that when I make my bed and it looks like one person slept in it for the whole week and then one morning I get up and the sheets are folded on the other side like someone's got out of it. And I know it wasn't me because at the time my dog was sleeping on the floor on that side of the bed and I would have stepped on him if I had got out of that side. So... I don't know. I didn't make the bed that day. I just thought, you know what? I'm leaving that. I'm, yeah. But I, I can't explain those things. And I don't think we're supposed to. No. I think for me, that's the magic of call it spirituality, call it whatever you want. That's the beauty of living in this reality that we're living in is that we can't explain it all. And there is magic and mystery and wonder mm. and connection across and, those dimensions. And Sometimes something will happen like on the weekend, I was in a, in a three-day event, like a, in a conference um, environment and I was being addressed. I, I had delivered a presentation and I was being addressed. The lights flickered and the facilitator said, did you see that? I think you did that. And I kind of went, I don't think it was me, but I reckon I know who it might've been. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, it's uh it's interesting, isn't it? I, for me, it's what gives me, I guess, that faith in something more. Um, I know that I've had a couple of experiences where people's um, passed over children have come through to me in sessions. And I remember the first couple of times really freaking out because I'm going, I don't know what these people believe. I'm muscle testing over and over again to go, are you sure I should pass on that message? Are you sure? But when I have lent into and gone, okay, I've asked your body three times. As I'm saying this, I'm asking it a fourth time. It said you're ready for this message. One of them we were dealing with business stuff. Yep. And this child standing there, and I'm like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna leave, are you? <laughs> and, and I passed on the message and it was one of the most profound and healing sessions 
even though it was completely unrelated to what we were doing. And they actually told me then it was the anniversary coming up. Wow. And it was, oh, okay, yeah. Another client I didn't actually, it was my first experience of this happening. I didn't actually know she'd lost a daughter and <laughs> I was learning Reiki. And as she came around, she said, I take it you've met my daughter then. And I went, would have been really nice to know before I started working on you. Because <laughs> there was this girl standing next to me the whole wow. time. And I'm going, okay, then. It was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And so I have a strong belief in it because I've had enough experiences of it. And I think when I think of my life when I was much more skeptical of it as to now, I, don't, I see the magic of it and that mystery that we're not supposed to know. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like as I said, it, it, it be, it's become more and more, um, I don't know whether it's me opening up to it more or if it's the fact like as, as a, from a grief perspective, it tends to shut us down and, and close us off a bit. As you heal, you open up more. I don't know. I can't explain how or why it becomes more um, easily to remember and recall details, but I freaking love it. And, you know, I, I can't predict when the next time it's going to happen. Um, but I'm just, I'm just open to it. And I'm, I'm just really glad that it's, that it's a way of feeling connected. And I think if I can talk about connection, I think it's really lovely to connect from a place of, of love and positivity than from a place of pain. Mm -hmm. um, and if we feel like the only way that we can stay connected to someone we've lost is through pain, um, I got to tell you, it's such a much more rewarding, beautiful feeling to connect from a place of love and, and, and have that, you know, yes, there may be a moment of, of where you do, you still feel that sense of loss occasionally, but it's such a way more positive and way more comforting space to, to connect with. When I did some psychic and mediumship mentoring, um, one of the pieces of guidance I got is you never try and connect with a loved one within the first 12 months because it's the physical body that has to go through mm. those those physical things that you were talking about before there's enough of that processing to have happened. And so that is sometimes the reason that it becomes more potent mm. once the physical body's done what it needs to do and processed what it needs to do because we're here in this physical realm and we've got to honour and acknowledge that part of ourselves. And that makes sense, right? Mm, absolutely. I guess that's why they say that, you know, <laughs> year of wearing black in some cultures and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And look, some cultures do grief way better than we do. Um, we, we can learn a lot from each other, I think, in the way that we express, communicate, feel. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. So you've mentioned your book. We'll go on and I'll get you, to, we'll get all of these links in the bio so that people can find you and work with you and get you on their podcasts in front of their audiences and all of the things. Yeah. You mentioned your next book. Any ideas, any themes? Well, interestingly, um, 
it sort of ties back in with the cabaret stuff, you know, because I um I know you and I talked about something and I reckon there's two books coming. So there's the one that we talked about, which was sort of like a love letter to say, since you've been gone, this is the stuff that's happened. You know, there's been a global pandemic and, you know, all this stuff's happening. And, you know, the feelings of um, writing a book and then doing the show and every time I take a step in that direction and and my work takes me down. Like I'm never going to stop doing this work because I find it way too rewarding. It's too important. People need it. Um, but every now and again, I need to take a step back and just go, that was big. And the fact that I'm doing this work is because he's not here. And would I be if he was? And every now and again, that does create a little bit of a like moment where you just kind of go, the sliding doors or whatever. Um, but it's okay. Like I, I I know that that's just me taking a breath and going, yep, you know, off you go, keep, keep going. But I am thinking more because um, I'm now what four years since Craig died. It's four years down the track. And I feel like um, I kind of told myself I was going to go back to work and do the things that were easy for me and what felt right and don't make any big decisions. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do something else. You know, just do these things and, you know, there's no rush. Just take your time and and put one foot in front of the other and, you know. And I've got to a point where I did, I have questioned, like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life and where do I want to go and what does it look like? And I, you know, didn't choose what happened. But I have a choice about where I go from here and how I move forward. And I kind of took some time off work to assess whether where I wanted to be. And I I really want to be in this space, working in loss and grief and, you know, in the end of life space too, um, because there's a lot of grief that happens in that, in that space, not just, after, you know, and again, just not after someone passes, but leading up to that there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on for for them but also family and friends um but that reconnecting back to identity self um purpose passion you know how do we do that how do we when when the dust settles and maybe we've had some secondary losses friends have dropped off family members might have sort of moved away and we don't have that connection we used to and you're sort of going, well, now what? How do I find new social networks? How do I find what I really want to do with my life? And, you know, so I guess I've had that, you know, the cabaret show for me wasn't just about a cabaret show. Pulling that together was like a project. I had to source every aspect of it. It was a, you know, a one woman project, so to speak. I had mentors who are amazing, but effectively it was, well, you've got to go and do these things. And I found that process um, such a big connector back to an, a part of my identity that I had just been neglecting for such a long time. And with it has come a sense of contentment and fulfillment that I haven't had in a really long time. And it feels so bloody good to have that back. So I think, you know, a, a book or even a a course on how to find the way to connect back, how to get in touch with the things that are important to you and how to how to navigate this new space because it does, you know, it does have some challenges. And I'm four years down 
I've made some stupid mistakes. I've made some great, I great, you know, decisions. Um, there's a lot of learning that comes with that. Um, and you know, if, trying to work it out as you go like there's no rules <laughs> you know there's no right or wrong way we're just trying to do it how we can but I think um you know sharing some aha moments along the way in terms of helping others navigate that space um is probably where I'm going so I guess what I've got coming up is pieces of me the things that I've lost my identity my connection my purpose and putting that back together yeah oh it's this is part of the reason I wanted to have you you know on on my platform is so that you could because you speak about it from that scars place not from the wounds but there's so much wisdom that that comes through that because as you say you've done the wrong thing you've done or not wrong but you know you've made some crappy decisions you've made some good decisions you've made decisions along the spectrum that have worked out in varying different ways and and when we walk those messier paths there is so much that people can learn from that and I I really like the fact that you're taking this into corporate environments as well because the two seem so juxtaposed yeah um and yet corporations are made up of people <laughs> well, and this is the you know a grief in the workplace is a thing you know um somebody's going to return to work after going through a loss and ah uh, the amount the women that I spoke to who when I interviewed them for my book you know going back to work one woman described a situation where she said um someone said to her you, you don't seem your usual chipper self and she said well yeah my husband died and, you know, I, I came in today, I could have stayed in bed. I didn't want to. Like, do you, you have no idea what it's taken for me to put one foot in front of the other to get out the front door. I'm here. Can that not be enough for you? What, I have to perform? Like, you know? And just knowing that just because someone's come back to work doesn't mean they're better. And I'm using rabbit ears here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, or they're over it or they're okay. They're still struggling, but bereavement leave isn't great. It's not, not a, a great length of time. Um, and you may have an employer that says, look, we'll give you extra time. You may not, um, you may financially, you may not be able to take more time. Like there is so many reasons here, but yeah, how do we talk to people when they come back? What do we do? How do we, do we avoid them like the plague? Well, that's just as bad as saying something insensitive. Um, you know, so some education around that, um, around how to make it a little bit more grief friendly or grief literate, grief supportive. Um, but also we may have a colleague at work that that passes away, dies, gets sick. You know, that will impact our relationships with these people and with with the people around us. Um, careers change, redundancies happen. You know, um, there's grief in workplaces as well. Mm-hmm. And again, people may not associate it as grief because it's just, you know, it's an upheaval, it's a change, it's something else. But the feelings that are attached to that are feelings of loss of some kind. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. It has been absolutely wonderful having you on and I will definitely get you on again anytime. <laughs> it's been a great chat. It's oh, I, I love listening to the nuances that you have lived because I recognize them in different parts of my own journey. And I just, all of those bits, I think, help us to create our own toolkit and gain some understandings of what's going on for us. Even if, as we say, it's not the loss of a, a person, it's some other type of loss. So like I say, I just, I love your work and anything I can do to help you in this world, I am more than happy to. So send me through all your links. We'll put them all in the show notes, but for now, just tell people how they can find you. Yes. So um, you can find me on Facebook. I've got uh, Jodie Atkinson, Grief Recovery Specialist. And I've also have my Jodie Atkinson author and speaker presenter page um, because there's a couple of different audiences there. Um, I am at Jodie Jodie Atkinson and Jodie hyphen Atkinson. So that's the the dash in the middle, uh, .com.au. And Instagram, you'll find me there as well, and oh, and LinkedIn, of course. So, yes, on all the, all the social things, <laughs> all the things, all the things. Oh, thank you so so much for gracing us with your presence. It's been absolutely divine, and yeah, we'll definitely get you back on for another chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation, and things we I haven't really talked about with other people before, which is lovely. Awesome. I'm always happy when that can be brought out. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If this podcast resonates with you, please follow, like, share and review so that we can get this message to as many divine souls as possible. Never forget that you have all the answers within you. You are God's source made human and sovereignty and abundance are your birthright. If you can imagine it, you can make it manifest in this physical reality. Huge love. Until next time.